Welcome back to Coffee in Cannabis. It's the show where I interview professionals, researchers, and thought leaders in the cannabis space to help bring you deeper insight into who these individuals are and how they're shaping the cannabis industry. In this episode, I'll be interviewing Angelina Blessed. Angelina is a 13-year Muay Thai veteran and CEO of athlete-focused cannabis brand Blessed Edibles. In the episode, we chat about Angelina's 13-year Muay Thai fighting career and the interesting overlap in between cultures of cannabis and fighting sports. From focus to recovery to neuroprotection, we chat a little bit about how more and more athletes are adopting cannabis products into the regimen. We also talk about the lack of healthy cannabis edibles on the market, and we talk about the lead-up and genesis of Angelina's athlete-focused cannabis company, Blessed Edibles. Um, I, I really want to dive into, you know, of course, as an athlete, um, I was really interested to see you as, uh, of course, a Muay Thai fighter. Um, yes. And I wanted to know kind of your, your history as an athlete. Were you always involved in, in combat sports? I was, um, I was actually not an athlete growing up, like okay. absolutely, hmm. absolutely in every way, shape or form, not an athlete. <laughs> like I've kind of faked my way through track and field. It was just not in my realm of, it just, I just wasn't how I was kind of raised. We, uh-huh. I didn't, I just didn't want to do it. Um, my whole athleticism kind of came, um, post my rave days. So I, uh, <laughs> I yeah. Yeah, really interesting. So I, you know, I partied for a long time and, mm-hmm. but I had a lot of energy and I loved to dance. I was mm-hmm. a total dancer. So mm-hmm. it was just really interesting for me to um, uh, know that I didn't really want to be around the party scene as much anymore, mm-hmm. but still had a lot of energy. So mm-hmm. I just, um, you know, I started running once okay. my party days were kind of done and mm-hmm. that's kind of how I started. And then I ended up running right into a gym on Bloor Street mm-hmm. and uh, somebody named Ajahn Suchart mm-hmm. was training there. So he, um, I did a couple of classes, a uh, few months of classes with him and mm-hmm. then just kind of started on my kind of uh, trajectory to mm-hmm. Thailand. Wow. So it was absolutely not in my realm of I had never traveled. <laughs> I had never, you know, I had never yeah. seen other cultures really. You know, I was a, I was a nice girl from Nova Scotia. So, uh-huh, like, uh-huh. you know, I threw myself right into the depths of Chiang Mai. Wow. And, um, you know, I, uh, I learned lessons pretty quickly. But, um, you know, I just, uh, I just loved it. And mm-hmm. I, um, I loved everything about being in Thailand and, uh, and how that culture kind of made me feel mm. and the protection that that martial art gave mm-hmm. me was really special. So. Yeah, well, I mean, the jump from running to to fighting is quite is quite a leap. So, I mean, what what did you enjoy? What kind of struck you? Oh, with I, I never thought I was going to fight like that right. was kind of the funny part. And I was just I'd always said that to the trainers. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to fight. I just <laughs> I just like I just like working out. I yeah. like working out. And then I went to Thailand and then. Um, you know, the trainer's like, well, just take this fight, just take mm. this one fight. And mm. I was just like, oh, you know, it's not really me and I mm. don't really want to do it. And then I did it. <laughs> they just kind of threw me in and I honestly wasn't experienced enough to have actually done it. Like mm-hmm. it was not a pretty fight in any sort of mm. way, shape or form. And I got out of the ring after it was done and my trainer was like, you know, your heart, 100%, your technique, <laughs> not good you know so uh, like it was you know you go in there and you give it all but like, yeah well hey technique, was technique garbage, can always so. be improved right <laughs> yeah and i think over the last like 16 years it probably has wow. but um thankfully so um you know it's been it's been a really cool journey for sure yeah that that's really awesome and you know what do you enjoy about muay thai so there's there are a lot of different combat sports out there and i had to do some googling on okay what's the difference between muay thai and kickboxing how do you how can how would you describe 
describe um, Muay Thai as, you know, a culture and then as as a combat sport as well? Well, like Muay, Muay Thai is known as like the um, it's the art of eight limbs. So it's mm. kicks, punches, knees and elbows. Wow. Um, so kickboxing does not have, I believe, the knees or elbows. Right. Um, you know, I think it's, um, yeah, it's just different in that way. Mm-hmm. But it's um, like as far as like Muay Thai as a culture, it's um, I think what I liked about it, you know, learning about martial arts is just the the massive amounts of respect between the mm-hmm. fighters that would happen. Mm-hmm. You know, like when I would watch UFC, like 20 years ago, mm-hmm. it was like, I didn't understand how they would stand in front of each other and talk hmm. shit right. and be disrespectful. <laughs> and then, yeah. you know, like when you fight Muay Thai, you know, mm-hmm. it's such ultimate respect. It's mm-hmm. respect to the trainers and to the ring mm-hmm. and to the spirits of fighters past mm-hmm. and to the spirit coaches past. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's beautiful and you can go in there and have absolute violence and bloody war right. and then you show complete respect to them before and after and that right. made me absolutely fall in love with it. I yeah, I, I really like that. And I, I sense a lot of parallels between that and jujitsu. And jujitsu and cannabis are also their cultures kind of go hand in hand. Did you see that as well um, in the community that there was some some kind of ties to the cannabis community as well? You know, like I'm, I'm not um, like jujitsu is not my world whatsoever. Sure. But like I really <laughs> feel like those boys have been smoking as long as they've been rolling, right. and it's, you know, they they put together the kind of chess pieces for us. I feel mm. that like as like um, as striking artists, we mm. weren't really like I feel like it took us a little bit longer. But I feel like to get to the performance benefits of what mm-hmm. cannabis can kind of do. Mm where um, before it was very much just recovery and it didn't really make sense for how we would perform striking. But mm. I feel like the jujitsu uh, artists are much more like they would absolutely like smoke and roll and that right. made absolute sense. And mm-hmm. they like it becomes a, che- a chess game for them and it's mm. it just allows you to get into your mind in that sort of way. Interesting. Yeah, I, I've seen a lot of clips of jujitsu fighters, um, like you said, smoking before a bout and that kind of getting them, like you said, maybe more of that mind-body connection, just, getting them more into it. Do you feel like you could do yeah. the same in Muay Thai or no? Oh, well, I think it's really, like, it's, it's, it's similar subjective. but different. Okay, um, yeah. You know, there's the whole, yeah, there's the whole Brazilian, there's the whole uh, high rollers, ah. you know, like the whole high rollers kind of thing that's going on. And, you know, mm-hmm. and they, they smoke before and then they blaze and then, you know, like they blaze and then they roll and right. then the winner takes home a pound, right? And uh, like in the <laughs> sickest gold chain of all time. Mm-hmm. But, um, but you know, I do believe striking uh, is like my reaction time is different, you know, like my, sometimes I'm a little too relaxed. Like Mm -hmm. it is, like it is subjective and Mm -hmm. it is strain dependent and Mm -hmm. it is date dependent. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, to compete on that sort of level where somebody is coming at you straight violence, Mm -hmm. I, I like, I don't think I would do it. But what, like what I fell in love with cannabis and Muay Thai is the movement aspect. It's Mm -hmm. the shadow boxing, it's the movement, it's the, it's the, and like, especially during pandemic, it's just like, Mm -hmm. it's been so much solo work. So Mm -hmm. it's the bag work. It's the actual, like, putting the time in. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's one of the things I wanted to tie into was how, you know, the pandemic 
influenced all this, especially from a training perspective. Like for me, I was in the best shape, shape of my life in November when gyms were still open, um, but I still had nothing to do. So you might as well go to the gym six days a week. And then now, of course, they're closed right. and now I'm miserable and I don't feel good. <laughs> How, what is, what does training look like um, for you? I mean, you've been training for a long time and then, you know, how, how did that get influenced from, from all this garbage that's going on? <laughs> Well, like pandemic was has just changed it in a way is that I don't have the bodies anymore. Right. So it's become very um it was it was just me for probably the first year. Mm-hmm. Um and it was running. Mm-hmm. It was kind of manically running the first half of pandemic. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh I'll throw in twenty kilometers today. Sure. <laughs> I have nothing I have nothing but time right now. Right. So um, it kind of slowed down though as my anxiety kind of lessened as to what mm. was actually happening in the world. Mm-hmm. And um, so I get up in the morning now and I do like a 5K run mm. and then I go and I do my shadow boxing and bag work. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple days a week now I have somebody that will come and hold pads for me so gratefully. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, with the sun shining, I'm super happy. Like I. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love smoking weed and going outside. Yeah. Like this is the best thing that I could do. So like, yeah, I smoke weed and I go, I take yeah. my skipping rope and I got my headphones on Excellent. and I dance and shadow box and skip and yeah. do push-ups and squat. And how you could know, that like, not put a smile on your face? Right. Yeah. Like all like the, the people in the park love it. You know, sometimes yeah. I'll bring a friend, like there's somebody that I train a few days a week and we hit pads and mm-hmm. everybody comes up and has questions and everybody wants mm-hmm. to be involved. And like, you can see that you can see what martial arts does to a community. It's mm-hmm. it's I think it's so cool, you know, especially like as a woman and got little girls coming up and mm-hmm. it's just been so cool because nobody's been close and like mm-hmm. as we're getting more comfortable, these kids are getting a little closer to us and parents are being <laughs> like, oh, go see them, maybe they'll hold pads for you, yeah. you know. So it's it's uh, it's nice and I just you know I think martial arts has such a good mm-hmm. uh, focus for anybody and yes. it, it really is. You know, before I was just like, oh, I'm a fighter, I'm a fighter, I'm a fighter. Uh-huh. I'm like, no, I'm a mental health advocate right. and people need to do martial arts. Like mm-hmm. as time has kind of passed, you see you see the effect that Muay Thai has had on the people around me. Mm. Like you see, and I'm just like, uh, are we all a little crazy? <laughs> yeah, we, we might all be a little bit crazy. But, you know, sure. like it, Muay Thai has brought such a, it's brought such a therapy to all of yeah. us. So it's really not about being violent or mm-hmm. knocking people out. Yeah, and I feel almost as though there's been a martial arts renaissance, right? Where a lot more people are getting interested and involved. I don't know if this is because of MMA or because of um, media now. Do you feel like more people are getting interested and in, in involved in martial arts? Ooh, um... <laughs> I don't think I talk to people. Like, is it more popular than it was? I. You know, like when I started going to Thailand, mm-hmm. I was probably one of three females that were going to Thailand to doing it to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Like it has absolutely spread across the nation, and mm-hmm. I do feel that um, there is a need for it. It's just really, it's like I know I have had a lot of people kind of message me, being like, "Yo, where can I go do some Muay Thai?" Yeah, but because it's COVID, mm-hmm. like there is no longer that opportunity. Where I can be like, "Yo, go right. to this gym." Right. I've even said to people like, "It's not really." Like for a while, I was kind of like, I don't know if Muay Thai will be able to make a recovery Mm -hmm. because for a while we weren't really sure if like Hmm. we'd be able to go back into the gyms and like, like long gone are those days of 
classes of like 20 to 40 people, I think. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's, you know, that old, like jump into a gym with like a bunch of people to go spar with. I think those days are gone. So, yeah. Or for now, I don't, I I mean, for now. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, I know there's, there's a lot of locally owned gyms in Toronto that people have been to for years that now had to shut down because they're on razor thin margins and COVID was kind of just the nail in the coffin. Like Crudar had been open for as long as I've, for as long as I've done Muay Thai, mm-hmm. uh, CM number one was open for as long as I've done Muay Thai. Mm-hmm. Those are both gone, right? As, yeah, as far as I know. Um, but uh, yeah, like things are changing. Things yeah. are very definitely changing. I, I know of two schools that are still, two schools are that are still that will be able mm-hmm. to still remain open. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, but. Yeah, but I don't even know if I belong to a school anymore. You know, like it's really, it's uh, yeah. like it's really weird. I'm just like I'm, I just I, I train in this abandoned house that's on my street that a friend of mine is. It's going to be a meditation center, and he's just okay. allowed me to like go smash a bag in there. So like that's yeah. my gym now. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, but, to be optimistic, I hope that there's kind of an upward trajectory from here. It can't get worse. I think hopefully communities can get back together, gyms can open back together. I'm sure you're looking forward to that, right? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, so absolutely. I, I want to kind of touch back into the cannabis component and into training. So I, I read that you took you took a 10-year break from cannabis while you were training, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about how rigorous is the training component to, you know, being a fighter? What What does a typical week look like on season? Oh, well, like on, we're talking like on season pre pandemic. Right. So, you know, like this is a kind of very, you know, life has definitely changed, but Mm -hmm. like my, my life uh, pre pandemic was um, wake up in the morning and run a five to seven K and then I would go to work Mm -hmm. for the entire day and Mm -hmm. or take calls. And then I would be back in the gym for five Mm o'clock until like seven 30 um, doing whatever coach needed me to do. Mm-hmm. And that was very, that was very typical. And mm-hmm. that's not even me preparing for a fight. Right. So, you know, um, I think my fight days are probably over now at this point, but, um, yeah. um, you know, and the cannabis community needs, needs a lot of help right now. So it's, sure. it's, it's kind of, it's okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, hey, one one, one thing to another, right. And now, you know, I, that's, that's the other thing I really want to, um, touch in on is, you know, kind of your involvement with cannabis. So after you took a 10 year break and you started using cannabis again, was it strictly for recovery or was it for um, recreational reasons or medical reasons? No, I really like I stopped smoking weed because I really thought it wasn't helping anything to do with my training. Mm. It was too kind of affiliated in my mind with mm. uh, my old party days. Right. So I didn't really I still was very kind of buried in that old stigma of what I mm. thought cannabis was. And so while I was training and my body was starting to break down after kind of years of training, I mm. wasn't really you know, I was watching all the boys, all the champion boys that I trained with um, going outside and smoking weed. <laughs> and I was like, oh, what are those guys doing? And I don't believe it. And they would come back in and they would, you know, they would do their 5K run yeah. and they would come in and they would clinch and they would spar and mm-hmm. whatever. And I was, I didn't understand it, but mm-hmm. my body just kind of really started to break down and mm-hmm. I wasn't feeling well and I was kind of mentally breaking down mm-hmm. and I would take a day off. But like, we weren't taught really well about anything to do with recovery back then. Mm-hmm. It was very... Um, kind of go harder, go fast and go or go home, you know? So we, you know, like I was eating like chicken and spinach, you know, there was like, there was like, it was dry. There was no essential fats. There was no avocado, you know, like Mm. we weren't, we, 
you know, I was cutting weight too much. It was, I was super, I wasn't healthy, you Mm -hmm. know? So like there was just so much to learn about recovery Mm -hmm. and weight cutting and all those things we, we Mm -hmm. had no idea about. So we kind of had to really revisit all of that. But this is good stuff. When you talk about recovering, you mentioned something interesting about making sure, you know, you get fats in your diet. Well, what is, what is, how does someone ideally recover their body? And then kind of, you know, for you, where do you think cannabis comes into play? Do you find that it does have a significant benefit for recovery? Is it mostly THC or CBD as well? Oh, it was such a, it was such a crazy, like basically like my body had to break down for me to like take a moment to stop and really think about it. Mm. So it was probably like six years ago when I really dove into, I'm like, okay, I don't really want to smoke weed because I know that I have crappy lungs left over from my old party days. And, um, but I know that the oils that are in the weed can really help me. Mm. And so it was at that point that I met Jesse and Sean from Float Toronto. Mm. So they just kept throwing me in the float tank. They're like, hey, eat your cookies, get in the float tank. Let me know how you feel. (laughs) And wow, it just like, it made such an absolute difference in my life. And so once I kind of started to kind of play with that, Uh realizing that I was just revving at all angles that my cortisol levels were just kind Mm -hmm. of shot Mm -hmm. then I realized that I needed more than just like a day off like I needed like some time I Mm -hmm. needed some fats Mm -hmm. I needed some like more recovery Mm -hmm. days Mm -hmm. I needed to better eating habits Mm -hmm. higher fat diet like there was just so much yeah something for inflammation and then that's like then I received like a really bad uh, concussion from Mm. one of my fights in China Mm -hmm. and I came home and I was just a mess. Mm. So it was at that point I did a massive, massive dose of CBD and a Mm. massive dose of THC and Mm. I had to kind of shut the lights off for Mm. a while. And it was, you know, I had a lot of really bad symptoms after that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that lasted quite a while. Mm -hmm. So, um, it was at that point that I kind of had to, like my speech was off for a bit. And so it was at that point I just had to float. I had to let a lot of stuff go Mm. and I had to kind of stop. (laughs) I had to stop uh, catching punches with my face. Right. Ideally for a little bit. (laughs) Ideally for a little bit, you know, I had to stop doing that. So that was, that was, you know, that was a great plan. So I was after that where I really had to take recovery seriously. And I really realized that Muay Thai fighters and MMA fighters really don't have a lot Mm. of recovery conversations. Mm. You know, I was cutting weight just by, um, taking out calories. Mm. Well, you know, I was still trying to force my body to do the insane, uh, Muay Thai workouts while doing that. Mm. So like, you know, when you talk about like, yeah, it's just like unhealthy. So mm-hmm. it was just about finding a healthier mindset. Right. So being able to recover, being able to just like get myself a little bit more rest mm-hmm. and a little more peace and mm-hmm. a little more meditation. And mm-hmm. and it was really that kind of realization that kind of turned me into a fighter that I can be proud of mm-hmm. because you can't go that fast and that hard all the time. Mm-hmm. So being yeah. able to take a step back and kind of slow down your technique a little bit, that's that's when it can get beautiful. So. Yeah, no, I, I really like that. And I think it's a big problem in competitive sports and especially at the, the professional level when you're forced to come in every day and give it 100%. And that's why it's so easy to... Um, to take NSAIDs or to go to opioids and to make sure just to kind of push that pain behind. Um, And that's when a lot of athletes get into a really tough spot. And that's why 
I mean, for someone like me, it's a no-brainer that you would move to cannabis as a healthy or non-addictive source of pain relief. Um, or even when you look at the, some studies are, are, are talking about the neuroprotective benefits of CBD. Um, and I see that with fighters and I go, does this not just make sense? And if, and if so, then why are some sports still banning athletes from using cannabis, right? Oh, it's so frustrating. Like when you actually look at the studies and it shows, mm-hmm. you know, even if you, if you give an athlete CBD, mm-hmm. like if they do, uh, if they do receive a concussion, mm-hmm. like it's not going to affect them as badly. Right. So why would, why wouldn't you do that? Protect right? your Like athletes. why are yeah. we, why are we, it's like an extra helmet. Yeah, so exactly. why are we not protecting them at all costs? Hmm. No matter what the cost, you know, especially if we're asking them like as football players, <laughs> yeah. as fighters, as yeah. whatever, like here, if this is your brain. Yeah. Right. Like it's the number one thing that my coach said is protect mm-hmm. your brain. Hands up. Protect your brain. Well, like, why would you want to protect their brain with CBD if that's also derived from the same compound that was re- that was that's a schedule one because of Richard Nixon like that? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, <laughs> it's I the just, politics just, behind it really hurts me and it's hurting the athletes and that it makes me very upset. Um when when we see that or if you look at shikari richardson that just got banned a 30-day ban from the olympics just from having a positive test from maybe three months ago right right um it's ridiculous in a legal in a, in a legalized state right yeah <laughs> like yeah but the, please yeah so ridiculous yes but a lot of people have stood behind her and have said look this is really stupid like the olympics this has to so wake bad. up um, or even just sports committees in general or, you know, people's notions in general. But, um, you know, uh, the, the other thing I want to talk about, of course, is you starting your own cannabis brand. It's called Blessed, right? It is. Yeah. How did that come to be? So getting involved into the legal cannabis industry, how was that? And then can you talk about your brand a little bit at a high level? Absolutely. Uh, so <laughs> we this is not something that I ever meant to happen. This uh-huh. was completely just out of a necessity of what we needed. Yeah. And, you know, so I didn't want to smoke, as I said. Mm-hmm. So I started making cookies for myself and the boys at the gym. Mm-hmm. And then I started doing a little bit of market research. And I realized that all the edibles that were on the black market at the time, this mm-hmm. is like 2015, 2016, were mm-hmm. super, super, super high in sugar. Right. So for me as an athlete, that made no sense to me yeah. as to things that I want to put in my body so that mm-hmm. I could stay on the weight category that I needed to stay in. And if I'm adding more sugar, isn't that just increasing inflammation in my body as well? Mm-hmm. So none of that made sense to me. So then I just started making these really kind of cool cookies for me and my friends. Mm-hmm. And then I started making kombucha and then I started making uh, chocolate with one of the best Mm -hmm. chocolatiers that I could possibly find so uh, we realized that these vegan chocolate bars were just like Mm. knock them out of the park Mm -hmm. and it was super awesome so you know we um, we got a bit of traction with the Vice documentary that we were on and uh, then we won an award with, um, with Lyft Uh and that was super accidental because it's just like how people, how people voted for us. So we didn't even know. And then we ended up with, it was our cookie ended up like the second best edible in North America or in Canada. So that was kind of cool. And uh, then we just happened to be introduced. I happened to get introduced to uh, a really super great guy. His name's Mm -hmm. Nitten and he's since become my business partner Mm. and he was just looking for the best of the black market brands. Mm. So, um, we just, you know, I just, I had a lot of conversations over the, over the last six years with Mm -hmm. people that were trying to 
buy my brand mm. or, you know, wanted to like take it and run with it or, <laughs> you know, buy me out or mm. whatever. And it's just cool to have found a partner that kind mm. of understood that the kind of products that we want to make mm. and what we, what we can bring to the market. And, uh, so we're, we're getting pretty excited. We're just a few months out at this point yeah. to, um, and we're going to be launching some, uh, some really great products, uh, with, um, with the amazing people at Valens. Nice. So, they're, they're yeah. such a great group. They're just like, um, you know, as far as who's making oils and concentrates at this point, yeah. and we just know the level and their kind of whole backstory as to mm. like where they come from as well. Mm-hmm. They know where we come from. So that's, that's Perfect. a big part of it too. So we're, we're really excited about that. And our drinks that we're launching are going to be made with the source technology. Uh-huh. So that means the onset time for them is going to be about five minutes. Excellent. So that is, uh, that's yeah, so pretty... exciting. That's the, <laughs> so, tell me more about the drinks. Is, are they, are they water-based? Uh, they will be. Um, so we're pretty, we're pretty stoked uh, we're pretty stoked to uh, to launch all the details. We haven't really spoken about it too too much yet, uh-huh. but um, yeah, like it's gonna have like that really quick onsite uh, on uh, quick onset timing, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's that's really really exciting. And mm-hmm. I just I'm excited for athletes for that. So yeah. um, so the the blend that I came up with is is really cool. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's kind of how I would want to train and or just kind of function. Mm-hmm. So this isn't the super super recovery dosage. Mm-hmm. This will be like maybe try training, mm-hmm. maybe you know. So um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna launch. We're gonna launch soon. So that's so <laughs> exciting. Um, Congratulations! Yeah. No, that's, that's thank great. you so much. Yeah, um, thank you so much. I mean, as your brand in general. So, is Blessed completely catered towards athletes? That's kind of the. the that's the about, that's what we're going for. You mm. know, it's just been more of. Um, it's kind of going to be like how I like to dose. Okay. You know, so it's, um, you know, there's there's going to be more um, like THC based products, and right. then there's going to be some pretty heavy CBD products too, mm. because of the way that we kind of push ourselves through. So, mm. like I would say, athletic based, mm-hmm. but it is also just like for kind of like a healthier wellness, wellness, yeah. wellness yeah. mindset kind of people. And, and, and I really feel like that's where we're all at right now. Mm. So I, you don't need to be an athlete to take our products at all. Yeah. Um, you know, but like some of the, you know, we're going to be probably mostly like vegan gluten free nice. and it's, it's just about how we can do things. You know, we don't, I don't want to infuse a lot of preservatives. Mm. I'd like to keep things as like natural and healthy as possible. Yeah. And, and you wellness, know wellness is the key, you know. Exactly. And if you're catering yeah. this towards athletes, you, you mentioned that, look, it's hard to find, like if you go on the OCS, it's hard to find edibles that are healthy and not just super high in sugar. So it's good that, you know, people don't have to smoke because, of course, if you're, uh, you know, high, you know, athletes are very in tune with their body and adding anything, you know, smoking and relation, that's going to throw it in a loop, too. So having an edible A that's healthier, but B that has a rapid onset, you've kind of created, I don't know if you know this, but you kind of created the perfect recipe for athletes. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um... I'll be really excited when we can up the milligram dosage. Right. I still think that we're like in a really uh, small marketplace with yeah. that. So yeah. like I'll be very excited when we're going to be able to kind of replicate the doses that are going to come from the legacy market. Mm-hmm. Um, because I still think that it's it's a really, it's a hard kind of 
stance to take where mm. like you can still walk into the LCBO and mm. you could buy all of the, you could buy all of the liquor in the yeah. LCBO. Right. Oh, so like me. I would like, you know, if you have to show ID to come into this place to buy a hundred milligrams of mm. cannabis, you mm. should be able to, you should be able to walk in and buy a hundred milligrams of cannabis. You right. Know? So, well, I mean, what's, um, it's hilarious because you could go into the LCBO. I mean, if, if your parent bought from the LCBO, um, you know, let's say an apple flavored vodka and a kid were to drink the whole bottle, that could be deadly. If a kid somehow got their hands on a hundred milligram drink, they're, they're not going to die. They're going to be okay. And so the, this kind of disparity between they're what's gonna, allowed. They're going to totally be okay. Yeah. 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 Maybe not for a couple like, hours. They're not going like to feel well life. Yeah, for a little <laughs> bit, but they'll survive. Right. <laughs> Exactly. And, you know, it's also it's on the parents. And like, mm. I really feel that like, yo, if you're if you are someone that likes to consume edibles and mm. you do have kids at home, then mm. you should probably have a lockbox in your fridge. Right. And that's just how it is. But, right. you know, like as you know, when I grew up, you know, I'm sure my parents had my parents had booze that mm. I stole. Sure. You know, like, yeah. so um, it's just it's about like you need to be able to talk to your kids about what's actually going on in your fridge. You know, so exactly. We need to be able to, you know, like. But it's also like a packaging thing. Like uh-huh. if I'm going to eat, if I know what my dosage, uh-huh. do you know what your dose is? I'm just going to ask you. Do you know how many milligrams you like to eat at night? Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I, so THC edibles keep me up. They, a THC in oh. general, actually, some people are very lucky where THC can help them sleep. I'm the exact opposite. I, I'll have to dose like six hours before I plan to sleep because I'll be up until three in the morning or I've had it wow. if it's okay. too large of a dose like and I'm talking even I know, I know I'm in the minor, minority here but I know if it's even if it's close to 20 milligrams uh, I'm gonna be up probably until like four in the morning um, so for me like it's preferable preferably like a one-to-one like a five milligram five milligram I'm happy at that wow eh? I know I know okay. I'm weird but hey that's awesome. So you're very, you're great in the legal world. You yes. are good to go. And I'm cost yeah. efficient. <laughs> and you're super cost efficient. Like yeah. I'm like 50, I'm like 50 milligrams at night. Right. Right. So, right. But you um, found over time that that's the dose that works for you. Absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. That's what gets me asleep and keeps me asleep and relaxes yeah. my body and makes me feel pain free. Hmm. Um, but yeah, when I first started out, it was probably like five. Right, yeah, right, so. right. Well, so here, here's here's a question I want to ask you: Is do you do you have do you find you have to take regular tolerance breaks? Do you take tolerance breaks, or do you find you don't need to? I take tolerance breaks every once in a while. Absolutely. Once in a while, yeah. Um, I like uh, <laughs> it's the pandemic, so let's be real. Sure. Like nobody's taking a tolerance break right now. But um, <laughs> you know, like when I go to Thailand, it would always be a tolerance break, and yeah. you know, it's huh. uh, it is important. Just every like every couple days, just to even like. Go back to baseline. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, and that's why I think the the importance of education for athletes is really important because a lot of them they need guidance on what to take and how to take it and what's going to help them and kind of almost have a nutritionist give a cannabinoid based regimen right a treatment regimen and that's why Mm. I think like I'm really Mm -hmm. excited for you know brands like yourselves to be. Um, positioning themselves to athletes and that, you know, regulatory boards are going to be starting to to open up to athletes taking cannabis and helping them through it instead of just saying, well, good luck. Um, hope it works for you, right? <laughs> I, I do feel like it will be really important for athletes to be able to come up with a regimen. Like, I think that'd be really amazing. I would love doctors to be prescribing mm-hmm. THC and CBD and floating and chirogenics and ice baths mm-hmm. and 
like all sorts of things like that. I think that would be like an absolute positive in yeah. in the direction of where we're going. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, you mentioned something like you when you go to Thailand, you have to, you know, of course, you have to completely abandon your regimen. And I, I remember, like, of course, in a, in a lot of countries, the, the penalties for having cannabis or any sort of narcotic is very, very severe. Um, and that's tough for Olympic athletes or, you know, national athletes that want to train. Um, but, you know, from your perspective, where do you think the future outlook is in cannabis and athletes? How far out do you think we are from this being kind of normalized? Well, you know, it's really funny because I've like I've gone to Thailand a lot over the last uh, decade and mm. it was um, – you know, cannabis has always been an absolute no-go of a conversation mm-hmm. um, while I've been there. But the last time, uh, two visits ago that I went, uh, we went, and that was when the uh, first cannabis oils got launched into the hospitals. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was really, really exciting uh, for Thailand. So they have just legalized medicinal, mm-hmm. and now they are starting to open up shops in the south. And I believe that what they're going to try to do is legalize for um for tourists mm-hmm. so people are understanding and starting to see the benefits of kind of opening the world up and seeing all mm-hmm. um what cannabis can do for uh the finances of the country mm-hmm. and i feel like then they will be um more open to the conversations about it but like mm-hmm. whenever i've gone to thailand and had cannabis discussions mm-hmm. it's been very very closed off and mm-hmm. Like if any of the Thai trainers kind of heard me talking about weed, like mm-hmm. they very did mm-hmm. much equate it with like schedule one kind of drugs of course, yeah. and, you know, uh, didn't understand anything about it. But, mm-hmm. you know, like luckily with all of the foreigners training in Thailand, mm-hmm. you know, all of them there are wanting to have those conversations mm-hmm. about recovery, about mm-hmm. how it will help and all of that. Mm-hmm. So. Well, what's the barrier is, is what I'm wondering is, you know, is there not enough data as to how this can help? And like, where do you think the most benefit is for, for recovery? Is it just the soreness and the inflammation? I don't think we have lacking data. Mm-hmm. I think the data for CBD should absolutely be there with the uh, inflammation, anti-inflammation mm-hmm. uh, benefits mm-hmm. to it. Um, I think that people are... It's funny because I live in such a weed world now, right? Right, me too, yeah. I do. (laughs) I'm like, oh, people don't know? Yeah. Um, So I really would like to believe that people are understanding. And I really do feel like the conversations really are. Like, I mean, I'm Mm. having the CBD conversations with grandmas at this point. Um, And I do think that, like, you know, like both my mom and my dad have called me asking Uh about CBD. My dad is still terrified of THC. Mm. Um, You know, my mom, my mom's a little bit more open to it. But, Mm. like, it's... um, I believe that the stigma is gone, mm-hmm. gone, going uh, away, going away. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe there is still a lot of uh, non-understanding about mm-hmm. it, but I just, I do think that, uh, mm-hmm. I do believe that the, the understanding is there mm-hmm. of what this plant can actually do. It's just about like probably where you are in the world about how yeah. well received it will be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, again, we, we could talk about the frustrations of illegality and, and it being a schedule one forever, but that's, yeah, you don't want to get me there because I get, I get, <laughs> I get quite annoyed. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. So in in time, look, everything in time. Um, well, just you know, kind of to to wrap things up. So, what does the future outlook kind of look for for you? What do you, what are you working on on a day to day basis? Are you mostly um, just working for for blessed? You're taking less time from training and fighting. 
well, you know, days are just weird. You know, I take yeah. calls sporadically throughout the days yeah. and then I try to train a few times during the day. Mm-hmm. You know, I get a run in and then I go and do bag work mm-hmm. and or calisthenics. Mm-hmm. Just kind of depending on, you know, like it's it's not um, it's no longer fight schedule dependent. Mm. It's mental health schedule dependent. Mm-hmm. So it's just about how I'm feeling during that day. If I'm anxious, I know what I need to do. Mm-hmm. You know, like is that maybe meditate? Is that maybe make an appointment at Flow Toronto? Mm-hmm. Is that you know, is that just sit down and go smoke a joint? Like, is that, you know, but my days are still filled with, um, like blessed calls. Mm. Uh, we are in the process of designing all of the packaging Mm. and, uh, just we're getting ready for launch. So that's, um, that's so awesome. I love it. No, it's, it's so good to hear. And for people listening, how can they stay in the loop about when things are coming out? Where can they find you or, or, or bless? You can, yeah, you can find us find us at blessededibles.com. You can find us at blessededibles on Instagram. Uh, you can find me at angelina.blessed on Instagram. Um, and uh, yeah, we're just, we're, we're really excited to bring these products to you. We're going to be doing a full tour once they are launched and ready, depending on uh, which provinces we'd mm-hmm. go to first. And um, we're just the most excited about being able to be in the stores and actually give the people the education that they deserve on how to consume edibles, Mm -hmm. because that is what we love the most about doing the markets that we were a part of in the legacy market years ago, Mm -hmm. uh, with amazing companies like Fritz cannabis, Mm -hmm. uh, Fritz edibles. And, um, and so the fact that myself and Fritz have, and, um, uh, it was the old EP infusions now going to be Fleur mm-hmm. uh, that all of us have made it to the legal market and um, like it just I just really feel that we are going to be able to answer the questions that people have mm. because of our uh, authenticity with where we come from. So I love it. Oh, I love it. I think you're the right person in the right place with the right company. I'm so so happy for you. I, I think you're in oh, such a good just, spot. Thank you so much. We we're just so excited to be able to do this, and uh, yeah, I'm yeah. just I'm just so excited that we're going to be able to to get get the goods out to people. Please. So we're gonna <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, hey, I'm gonna keep you on the line for a couple seconds here, but I really want to thank you for coming on and chatting. Um, this this was really really great, and I loved hearing a little bit more about you and about Bless, and I really look forward to to being able to get my hands on it as well. Amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, of course. If you enjoyed the episode and you want to hear more from Angelina, give her a shout at angelina.blessed. And you can check out Blessed Edibles on Instagram or on Twitter at Blessed Edibles. And as always, if you want to hear more from me, give me a shout. It's Coffee Cannabis Podcast on Instagram, coffeecannabis.ca. New episode in two weeks.